what's up guys it's your friendly neighborhood black man jamar berg aka the sophisticated black man here to bring you another podcast special this one is entitled well don't really have a working title yet but this special is about veterans day it's for all of those that served both in the past mainly and gave up a great sacrifice serving our country and of course you know i go that out in general for every single person that served in the military and sacrificed in the military um you know this was supposed to be kind of a joint episode with with uh, my little bro that's a second lieutenant in the united states air force but things pop up and so now i'm gonna just record the episode solo which you guys should be used to uh, at this point So again, I touched earlier that Memorial Day is a day where we are reminded of those that gave the ultimate sacrifice um, fighting for our country. As a person whose both grandpas fought in World War II and who had an uncle and uh, several other cousins that also were in the military, I definitely understand and know the feeling of, you know, all the, the training and everything else they give up basically the freedoms that they give up so that we may maintain ours um and i i'm greatly appreciative of that it's it you know what they've done is given me the ability to do what i want to do and to give you guys a chance to listen to this podcast but today's well tomorrow's essentially special this memorial day special isn't about every single person that sacrificed themselves or you know just given the ultimate sacrifice in the u.s military this special is more so about giving the respect that is well deserved for those that fought for this country but once they were done fighting weren't given the same respect as the fellow cohorts aka their white soldiers i'm talking about giving the thanks and respect to the multitude of black regiments that have served during the uh really since the beginning of this country since this country got its start um because those all black regiments all black battalions are the ones that go underlooked and underappreciated throughout the history of the United States. They've given the ultimate sacrifice to not only be able to fight alongside white soldiers and other soldiers, but then they were restricted of their rights and freedoms once they got back from fighting for our country. And so, again, this is not a disrespect to you know all those that have served and given the ultimate sacrifice this special is for those of the all black side that have given not only the sacrifice to serve for the country but to give it the sacrifice of having to get their rights taken away from them again once they are done serving their country and so today i'm just going to touch on a few all black regiments that have, you know, basically gone underappreciated and deserve respect they deserve. Um, 
there's some that you guys already know about and there's some that you guys have never heard of and you know that's what i'm here for to kind of inform you on that and to begin first is what's considered by most historians to be the first black um, I wouldn't say all black but first black battalion and that is the first Rhode Island regiment which is widely regarded as America's very first black battalion in in the history of the military's incorporation and this battalion this regiment wasn't formed out of the goodness of General George Washington's heart. It was basically at the time in the war of the Revolutionary War. It's a year in and the Continental Army does not have any troops. They're all out of, you know, Continental soldiers, Continental troops. There's a troop shortage. So what do you do? You go to the free blacks or go after the freed black slaves. And you incorporate them, conscript them into the Continental Army. And essentially, once you've done that, you've created, you know, a mixing of your army. And so that's what General Washington did. He basically was like, I don't have enough soldiers. Hey, let's get some of these freed blacks and put them in their own regiment. And that is what he did. And the first Rhode Island regiment became... A thing it was an all-black regiment essentially the first black regiment in the u.s military's history didn't see a lot of fighting but they were able to gain their freedom by fighting with the uh, continental army against the british and so uh, i would like to give thanks for the ancestors of those uh whose you know great 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 grandpappy um, fought for the first Rhode, Island, first Rhode Island Regiment and gave the ultimate sacrifice of being able to be free by just fighting for someone that didn't really consider you free. Um, so that was the first Rhode Island Regiment, the first ever uh, black battalion regiment in the United States military history. The next regiment should be a very recognizable one. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Glory, Starring Matthew Broadwick, uh, Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman, a slew of uh, Carrie Ellis, a slew of other very great A-list actors. You'll know that that movie is about the 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry Regiment, uh, which was the Union's one of the Union's two black regiments, and this was one of the considered all black regiments. Um, it was mainly made up of non-commissioned off black officers and commissioned white officers, which during this special, you'll hear this has become a common theme up until the desegregation of the military. And even then after that, there still were more black NCOs and black commissioned officers. But the 54th Massachusetts, Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry Regiment that's going to be a mouthful to say. We're basically formed in 1863 on March 3rd, 18, March 13th, 1863. Uh, two years and in the midst, very heavy fighting in the Civil War. I believe this 
is either before or after the Battle of Gettysburg when this infantry regiment was formed. Um, it was one of two, like I said, but it was one that had the most service during the Civil War, um, going all the way to the end of the war, August 4th. The other uh, African-American regiment was the 1st Kansas Colored Volunteer Infantry Regiment, of course, uh, even though it was fought for the Union side, uh, based themselves out of Kansas, of course. But anyway, the 50, 54th um, are best known for the failed assault on Fort Wagner in South Carolina, of course. Uh, the same state that decided to secede first and, you know, Fort Sumter, you know. Uh, they led the charge on Fort Wagner. And it was, if you've seen Glory, you know it was a failed attempt. But however, they gained, norot they gained notoriety for their just brute, well not brute, but cunning force and just drive to try to take the fort the objective because that is what you know they were taught to do when before they left Massachusetts this is what they were trained to do and so they fought gallantly uh didn't wasn't able to uh successfully take the fort but it led to a siege of Fort Wagner which eventually Confederate soldiers ended up leaving and so again they served from their inception in March of 1863 all the way through the end of the war so they're probably considered one of the more decorated union union combat units of the Civil War just because of their combat service and really the durability of how long they've been in there. Uh, they had a size of 1,100 troops, and I think they still had close to about a little over 800 troops by the end of the war. So, and these were mostly men that were freed slaves, of course. Um, didn't really have to fight their way to freedom, anything like that. So these were men that were freed slaves that decided to fight for Union. And so I want to say my gratitude to the 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry Regiment of the Civil War for their valiant effort that they gave during the Civil War. Um, the next all-black unit military unit i'm going to touch on is one that probably is one of two maybe the only infantry unit that has fought in both world wars and i'm talking about the 92nd infantry division um which is nicknamed the Buffalo Soldiers. Um, now, the term Buffalo Soldiers was also used after the Civil War for uh, all black cavalry and infantry troops starting in 1866 all the way up to the beginning of World War I. But the 92nd uh, specifically earned the name Buffalo Soldiers um, just because that, that was just their nickname. Um, they, you know, were formed in 1917, right as, uh, the U.S. decided to enter the war in World War One, and, um, it's based out of Camp Funston, 
Kansas. So that's where they earned the nickname Buffalo Soldiers. Now, they didn't see extensive combat service like one of the other all-black combat infantry units I'm going to mention in today's special. But they fought violently. Uh, they were in the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, one of the most, uh, I guess, turning probably the turning point in World War One. It, there, you know, Gallipoli was a turning point in World War One, but the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, which basically was um, trying to, th- it was like late 1917. So uh, the 92nd was deployed in October 1917, just in time for the Meuse-Argonne uh, Offensive. And then they were, I guess, decommissioned or not decommissioned, but they were basically sidelined after the war um went back to kansas kept training and then of course world war ii happens and so who does president roosevelt call on not essentially he called on them but um he calls up the buff the 92nd infantry which the 92nd infantry division the buffalo soldiers became the only they were the only now just listen to my words carefully when I say this they were the only only say one time they were the only African American infantry division I'm not going to say tank battalion fighter group none of that they were the only African American only all black infantry division to see combat in Europe in World War II only black infantry division only division that had boots on the ground that was all black to see combat service to see combat in Europe during World War II and again this is a time where segregation was still a fucking thing even after these guys had fought in World War I fought valiantly in the Meuse-Argonne offensive and then we turn around turned around conscripted into World War II to fight in the spring offensive to fight in Italy only just to be faced with bullshit when they come back home and then not even fight alongside their fellow white troopers so you're about to see a pattern you're going to see a pattern i'm getting into especially with the the one unit i want to talk about later on so big shout out to the 92nd infantry for fighting in both world war one and world war two uh fighting violently and just you know being being those guys um the next one we're going to talk about is the 761st Tank Battalion, which was deemed these are these are the original Black Panthers, not the ones from the 60s and 70s, and definitely not the new Black Panthers. The Black Panthers from World War II were the 700 was the 761st Tank Battalion, aka the Black Panthers, where again. There's a lot of commissioned white officers, non-commissioned black officers, and then black troopers. Um, they were an all-black tank battalion, the separate one, of course. Um, and this was one of what the um, the War Department did not permit to serve alongside their white troopers, even though their you know battalion was primarily made up of white but also you know had white officers but was a predominantly black battalion um they fought out through you know 
was active from 1942 basically all the way to the end of the war um they fought in italy uh d-day um battle of the bulge is what they're most famously known for helping to reinforce the 82nd and 101st airborne um you know probably one of two very decorated uh combat units in the world in world war ii which i'm about to get to the number one decorated uh unit of world war ii um but these guys fought like hell their motto is literally come out fighting you know they did what they had to do um just you know they were did what they were trained to do like most black soldiers that i've told you about and you'll get you'll understand the themes i'm getting here once i get past all of these all black battalions and so yeah uh another big shout out to the 761st take battalion aka the original black panthers for everything that they did in world war ii and you know just they came out fighting and that's what they did the next all black unit everybody should know about this one is the 332nd expeditionary operations group or 332nd fighter group aka the tuskegee airmen if you don't know anything about the tuskegee airmen about the red tails you really have a problem with history and just really don't care about history okay tuskegee airmen most decorated combat unit in world war ii literally faced so much prejudice at home in tuskegee alabama where this this fighter group was formed and yet they were the most one of the most decorated combat units in united in world war ii and probably in the united states history a fighter group red tails they they uh flew p-50 the p-52 mustangs p-53 mustangs um bomber escort missions you know when kind of in the middle of 1943 1944 a lot of u.s you know bombers were getting shot down by the luftwaffe and u.s military command had no response to them so what do you do you call in an all essentially an all-black fighter group to help with these escort bomber missions and first thought is oh these these negroes don't know how to fly planes they don't know how to fight they don't know how to do all this the first ever bomber escort mission the tuskegee airmen ever flew every single bomber that was in that mission made it to their targets and made it back you know why because the tuskegee airmen literally before the tuskegee airmen got there bomber missions were flown and the u.s lost a lot of bombers the first very first mission the red tails flew with bomber escort every single bomber made it to their target and made it back home and that's how it was from here on out every single time a bomber the bombardier you know a squadron or battalion was like we need fighter support they were always like give us the tuskegee airmen give us the red tails we want the 332nd to do our escorts that is how decorated and how well of, of a group that the tuskegee airmen were 
that people were asking for them to escort them on their bomber missions. And that is just the best part about it. Um, so you guys should already know Tuskegee Airmen, greatly appreciative of what you guys have done. Um, you guys have done a hell of a lot. You've opened a lot of people's eyes that show, again, black soldiers can do this, can fight. And last but not least, this here is one of my favorite all-black regiments, all-black groups I'm going to talk about. And it's probably going to get me the most emotional, emotionally charged in the sense that it's, it's kind of bullshit of why this particular regiment just got shitted on, even before they left. This regiment I'm going to talk about is the 369th Infantry Regiment that was also formerly known as the 15th New York National Guard Regiment. I'm talking about the Harlem Hellfighters of the U.S., technically not even U.S. Army. I'm going to get to that here in a second, but of the French Army. The Harlem Hellfighters, 369th Infantry Group, Infantry Regiment. One of the most decorated combat units in World War One, and in my opinion, probably one of the most decorated combat units in U.S. military history. I'm talking it's up there with the 82nd Airborne, the 101st Airborne, the 1st Infantry Regiment. The Harlem Hellfighters are up there with those combat units. And I'm going to explain to you why. First, to start off, these guys were formed out of Harlem, New York out of the 15th New York National Guard Regiment. Okay. Second of all, they were conscripted into the U.S. Army. You took these guys from Brook from Harlem, conscripted them into the U.S. Army, and sent them over to Europe to fight in World War I. Third of all, the U.S. Army, because, again, this was the 20th century, early, be the beginning of the 20th century, where segregation was still alive, including in the U.S. military, for what unknown reason, I do not know why. The U.S. Army, the U.S. Army didn't even want these guys fighting alongside their white soldiers. The Harlem Hellfighters didn't even fight with the U.S. Army. They did not fight alongside the U.S. Army in World War I. You know who they fought alongside? The French Army, who were very welcoming of the Harlem Hellfighters. Okay, four. Once, once these, once the Harlem Hellfighters stepped foot on the battlefield, they were literally scaring the shit out of the German Army of the opposition. Why? Because one, all black infantry unit fighting like hell for. A country that wanted them more than the country that they came from. Okay. Two, they were trained essentially by two different armies by the US Army and then by the French Army. So they were fighting alongside the French who had trained them. This is how it was going on. And then, of course, with the US Army that, again, did not want them. Okay. Third, they earned their nickname, one of three. They're men of bronze, probably by either the French Army or the German Army and black rattlers because i guess they were just so quick in their attack but the harlem hellfighters is because they're from new york and they fought like hell okay their motto is don't tread on me a very famous motto that's you that was used in the revolutionary war their motto is don't tread on me god damn let's go 
Like, if that isn't a motto that gets you motivated to want to do something in your life, I don't fucking know what will. Don't tread on me. Goddamn, let's go. Okay. The Harlem Hellfires fought new tooth and nail for the for the French army. Again, they fought for the French army. They were conscripted by the U.S. army, shipped to Europe, and then essentially were like, "No, we don't want to fight. We don't want them. We don't want these Negroes to fight alongside our white soldiers. We're gonna ship them off to the French." And then they fucking showed the U.S. army up by fighting alongside the French and basically helped turn the tide for the French army. And the U.S. army was like, the U.S. military was like. Huh. That's interesting. Um, so the Harlem Hellfighters, fucking most decorated combat unit of World War One, and in my opinion, up there definitely with the 82nd and 101st and the First Infantry. Um, so shout out to the Harlem Hellfighters for just being that Hellfighters and showing the U.S. military that black soldiers can fight. And so that's basically the point I'm getting to is that all these black regiments that I just went through and gave a brief history of, the theme is, is that they were conscripted by the U.S. military. But because of times of segregation, the U.S. military didn't want them fighting alongside their white soldiers. Why? Because they didn't think black men were capable, of, were capable enough or ready enough to fight in a combat situation. They didn't think they were, you know, mentally there. They didn't think they were trained properly, weren't trained well to fight. And yet all these black regiments and combat units that I've named are some of their most decorated ones in U.S. military history. But yet military, the U.S. military didn't think it would be smart to segregate them with the white soldiers. But then once those black soldiers showed their ass and started showing these white, started showing them white boys, hey, we know how to fight. We know how to fight pretty damn well. The U.S. military looked at it and was like, huh, wow, we really underestimated our black soldiers. Let's desegregate our army. And this is what the, that's what they did after 1945 is they decided to desegregate the army based on what they saw in World War One through two. And were like, OK. It's time to incorporate, time to, you know, desegregate our combat units because these boys know how to fight. And that's the point I'm making. Why in the early 20th century did the U.S. military need to think, hmm, let's keep the whites and the blacks separate, okay, because clearly the blacks are inferior and don't know how to, you know, fight very well. And we'll just let our white soldiers do all the fighting. And even then, if we bring in our black fellow black soldiers, they'll be the essentially the body, you know, body, the meat shields, the body shields to protect our white soldiers. And then, you know what happened when that plan backfired? Black soldiers started fighting, started showing white commanders. We know how to fucking fight. We know how to shoot. We've been trained properly. We know how to put training to use. And the U.S. military after World War I was like, mm, that might have been a fluke. It's fine. We're going to keep it segregated. But then after World War II, after hearing about the Tuskegee Airmen, the Black Panthers, the 90, the Buffalo Soldiers, and even the Harlem Hellfighters made an appearance again in World War II. They were like, all right, they've shown us. They know how to fight. We're going to go ahead, desegregate, and incorporate everybody to work to, to fight for this great 
country. And that is the sacrifice I'm talking about. These black soldiers sacrificed so much to be conscripted, to be drafted into a war. In the situation that they were in before they were drafted, treated like shit. Go over to fight for the same country that treats them like shit. Well, they fought better and were treated better by different armies. The fighting a war they didn't want to be be a part of. To be treated like shit by the same army that drafted them. Fight very well. And then come back home. And to continue to be treated like shit. And continue to not get the same help as their white soldiers. I want to thank all those black soldiers from the American Revolutionary up until World War II up until now that don't get the recognition that you should and have done the greater sacrifice than your white cohorts have and don't get the recognition for it. Um, that's going to be this Memorial Day special. Um, I'm going to take a quick break and then talk about the future of Sophisticated Black Man Podcast as well as something a little bigger. So you guys stay tuned. Again, I want to say thank you to all those that served and gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. You guys don't understand how much you're greatly appreciated for doing that. Um, and I want to thank all those that decided to listen to this Memorial Day special and kind of see from the perspective of someone, again, who's black, that has had family members that have fought in major wars and conflicts and wasn't given the same help, the same treatment, the same respect and the same welcome as a white cohort did coming home from war, like my grandfather's before me. Um, and my uncle fighting in Vietnam it just shows that black soldiers were and are just as capable of being commanding officers and fighting very well alongside with their white brethren now I just wanted to make the you know dedicate this special to them to show that you guys you know black soldiers have proved you guys have proved that you can fight and you can fight well alongside your white brethren so uh, thank you for your service um, for the ultimate sacrifice and best believe it will not go unnoticed ever again no matter what Um, and just to throw that out there I don't think there will ever be another all black unit in any form of the military now just because you know desegregation has happened there's really no need combat units have proven combat records citations have proved that you know there's no need for it but um again i appreciate the sacrifice that everyone has given especially the black troopers giving two sacrifices essentially all right so big announcement um talking to my my Brody is who I call him. My boy Antoine Poe Martin. Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and give him a shout out for his uh, podcast, sports podcast. It's a league podcast that he's working on. Um, he's going to be starting that soon. And, you know, I'm going to we're going to talk. We're going to have an episode for you guys here in June about, you know, black educators, you know, both in and out of the classroom and then how that incorporates and, in, you know, uh, in a coaching coaching young men becoming or coaching boys into becoming men on the football field so it's gonna kind of be a two-part thing where we're gonna talk about black educator black educators and the importance of them um and you know his podcast is gonna all be about sports um which is nothing wrong with that the more black you know sports the more black sports podcasts out there in the world the better in my opinion um and he'll i'll probably be on his podcast a little bit um but in a collaboration with another friend of ours, uh, Cam Cameron Heller, um, we're all three of us are going to be starting a podcast called We the South. That's right, not We the South, not T H E S O U T H, but We the South. D A S O U F, because we spell South with an F. Um, we will be starting up the We The South podcast, uh, hopefully here in the next couple of months. Um, you know, probably I would want to say middle of July. You know, I, you know, there's a lot of things we got to talk about to kind of make sure to gel and get the details down. But um, it's essentially we're making the a podcast network where I have the Sophisticated Black Man podcast. I'm going to bring you guys the, you know, philosophical side of things. And then Antoine is going to bring it up with the sports side of things. And then, you know, we're going to come together. Cam, hopefully, if he wants to have his own podcast, he can. Uh, We're going to come together and just bring your guys entertainment from our perspectives, you know, as black men and black culture. And so... You know, that's that's a big announcement. Um, Antoine, Sports League podcast is going to be coming soon. Um, the We The South podcast is going to be coming very soon. Basically, going to be starting the We The South network, podcast network. Um, it's just going to keep bringing you guys more in entertainment and hope, you know, hope you'll uh, enjoy it and be, you know, We'd be grateful to have your listening, uh, listening audience, and you know, just just to be bring keep bringing you black culture, bring you everything that's black, and give you the perspective that you didn't think you ever needed. So, um, next week's episode again, you guys know how to do my episode basis by basis. I usually make it up as I go. Uh, next week, um, I don't know. We'll see. Because uh, there are two very important people that are having something special going on next week. Um, so if I do decide to record, it'll probably be on a Sunday, of course. Um, but I would definitely keep you guys updated. Um, you guys know where to follow me at. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, um, Twitch. If you guys like to see me play video games. I haven't streamed in a while, but that may or may not change here shortly. Um, and... Yeah, that's really about it. So I want to thank you guys for listening to this Memorial Day special. Um, you guys stay tuned. I'll keep updating you, of course, on what's going on with 
you know, sophisticated black man podcast, the, you know, sports podcast, the We the South podcast and podcast network, and just keep you guys informed and let you guys know everything that's going on. So um, this has been Jamar Burke, your friendly neighborhood black man. And this has been the Sophisticated Black Man Memorial Day podcast special. So until then, you guys stay safe, stay positive, test negative. I'll see you when I see you. Peace.